When the COVID-19 pandemic hit back in March, we were all urged to stay at home. The city got locked down. And all of a sudden, we didn't have those dreaded rush hours. The commuters were gone and our once bustling downtown core deserted, desolate. Our big office towers, our skyscrapers that usually have hundreds of thousands of people working in them, they're almost empty. Here we are nine months later, and just as we thought things would return to normal, we're into the second wave that the experts predicted. And if you're lucky enough to still have a job, you're probably still working from home. The normal that we once knew is gone. And the big question is, what's the future of our downtown core and those empty office buildings? I'm Desmond Brown, and welcome to Sold in the Six. Yes, we're in lockdown again, until at least the new year. And people who worked in the downtown core aren't sure if or when they'll ever return to their office. Today, I'm speaking with Ken Karoulis, a commercial real estate agent with Cushman and Wakefield. Ken specializes in leasing all around Toronto. Welcome to the podcast, Ken. Good, Des. So, Ken, what are you seeing downtown? The office market, the way we divide it up is, is we have a downtown market and the suburban market when it comes to Toronto, and it's the tale of two significant differences. Downtown over the past five years has been sitting at a sub 2% vacancy rate, while the suburbs have been in that sort of 8 to 10% vacancy rate. Now, combined GTA as a whole, we're sitting at about a year ago at 6%. Now, today, the downtown vacancy rate has gone from 2% to 4.6 percent, which is which is more than double, and it's expected to get even more. It's expected to grow by two or three times that over the next 12 to 18 months. So, the reason for that, and and it's the different reason from downtown to suburban, is because downtown it's been living in this sub three percent vacancy rate for the last four or five years, in which companies have been forced to secure office space um, in buildings that haven't even been built yet. So they're, they're being forced to plan and map out their, their, occupational, their, their, their occupancy strategy over the next five years, when with some of these tech firms, five years is a lifetime for them. Um, so, so they've not only had to forecast their growth, they've also been now being required to where they're forcing themselves to bank space that they don't even need. So now that the entire world has been forced into this, this incredible work from home test pilot, call it, um, some companies have had success with it. Some companies have not. So we're seeing some of these companies saying, well, I, I don't really need that space anymore. That space that we've been banking, we don't really need anymore, or we think we can work in a smaller footprint than what we currently have. So let's get rid of some of this space. Now that increase in vacancy rate is, is almost all sublet space. Office landlords continue to collect 95% of the rents owed to them. So the landlords aren't having a tough time just yet. It's the sublet market that's really the story here um, and how these users of real estate are dealing with it. Okay, let's just explain to, you know, the, the the lay person out there what a sublet means. Right. So vacancy is either direct with the landlord in which you go to the landlord and say, Mr. Landlord, I, I need to lease space. 
or there's a tenant that no longer has a need for space and they're in the process of disposing of it in which you would contract or a, a user would contract with the with the tenant that has too much space to take over their remaining lease obligation. That's right. Yeah, because they're on the hook for that lease for however many years that are left in the lease. Right. Okay. So you mentioned the vacancy rate. Um, it's, it's going to completely open up in the next few years. We're looking at 8 to 12%, probably by the year 2023, I think is what I was just reading. The other thing we have happening down there or in the downtown core is that we've got something like 8.7 million square feet of office space under construction right now. And then possibly another 27 million in the pipeline for, you know, over the next 10 years. So when we're seeing what's happened with the pandemic, is there not a panic going on for those landlords? And you said the landlords are not really feeling it right now, but with all of this stuff happening uh, down the road in the pipeline, would there not be a panic on their part? Um, well, so you got to throw out the stuff that's in the pipeline or firmly proposed. There's no commitments to go on that or to start that construction. But I will tell you that over the next, I want to say the next two, maybe three quarters. So by mid 2021 in the downtown area, there's going to be another 2.3, 2.5 million square feet coming online. Um, but 85% of that has been pre-leased already. Mm -hmm. So all this stuff that's under construction, the bulk of it's been pre-leased. Um, there wasn't many landlords going up on spec and, and building up an empty building without having any tenants in tow. An example of that, I guess, would be the, the CIBC building. Uh, that's, I guess it's called, it's called CIBC Square. That's, it was due to open, um, somewhere around April or May of this year, but it, mm -hmm. CIBC has put the opening off because of what's been going on uh, with the pandemic and letting their employees work at home longer, correct? Right. I mean, the, this this pandemic has continues to reshape the office market and the office fundamentals in the market. I mean, we one of our larger clients that is a financial institution is has has said, listen, we don't see a path back. We're not asking our employees to come back to work until 2022, um, in which they're just going to continue to work from home. And now the essential, not, I don't want to call them essential services, but but the people that need to be in the office will have access to the office. But for the bulk of their operations, they're working remotely. And so Cushman and Wakefield is a global supplier of real estate solutions. And we have thousands. I want to say we've sent out multiple surveys to all our clients and we have about, uh, I might be misquoting this, but about 70,000 touch points wow. uh, with respect to data that has come in. And what our data is telling us is that 20 to 30% of a company's operation has the capability to work from home and continue to be productive. Yeah. So that's 20 to 30%. And so the office market right now, it, given the time that we're in the tail end of 2020 is frozen. No one's making decisions. We're seeing companies let their leases expire and going to something more flexible, either a permanent work from home solution. Mm -hmm. We're seeing companies downsize, taking smaller footprints. No one, no one is making any major decisions. The only thing that's forcing companies to make a decision is a critical date, like a lease expiry. And and they're dealing with it on a case by case basis. But this whole piece of not knowing has really frozen the office market. 
do you see the actual office space changing now? You know, with all of the physical distancing, social distancing measures that are in place, if a some like I say something like a CIBC, they finally do get uh, the occupancy into their CIBC square. What we used to see, where we'd have you know so many people in a certain uh, you know in a certain amount of space, would have to be widened a little bit more. People have to space out a lot more. So I guess it's, we're going to start seeing a ripple effect with the way uh, buildings are designed. Uh, to give people more space, more bathrooms, um, you know, kitchen areas, all of those things. Is, is that what you're looking at? Right. Well, I, I mean, right now, that's one of the areas, that's one of our business lines or our service offerings for our clients is we do this, we do a piece that we call strategic consulting in which we go into a tenant's workplace and we say, all right, well, how are you currently working? How can we make this footprint better? How can we just be more efficient in the way we're using our real estate? And right now, this is this is such a fluid environment. Um, right now, Cushman and Wakefield is using what we call the safe six. And it takes into account a whole bunch of different variables um, in how to work within your office space and how to be efficient and how to let your staff roll in and come back to work in a safe, efficient manner. But I mean, and this is what has the office market frozen is that people just don't know. People don't know if we're not if we're ever going to have kitchens again in our in our. I mean, I'm being facetious, but but is there a communal fridge that everyone touches? Is there a communal coffee pot that everyone uses? It, it's how do we work around this? And right now, I mean, I'll give you an example. Our floor here, there's there's about eighteen thousand square feet, and I've only ever had three or four other people on the floor with me at any one point in time. And I come to the office what used to be four or five days a week. I now come in two days a week. Uh, the kitchens are closed. The meeting rooms are closed. No visitors are allowed into our office. So so I, I think there's the, the pendulum has swung, not to say that it's swung too far, but it, it's, it's right where it needs to be for the environment that we're currently in. Now, what's it going to look like two or three years from now in 2024, 2025? Uh, just because 20% of the people can work from home and continue to be as productive, does that mean people are going to start taking 20% less space? I, I don't think so. I, I think there's going to be a, a bit of a modification. We've gone from tech users trying to use 110 square feet per person with bench seating. I think we're going to go back to a little more space in between, maybe some plexiglass dividers, I don't know if these trends are here to stay or not, but but the way we used to use office space is definitely going to change. Okay, so we talked about the the pipeline, uh, about 27 million square feet um, that is in the development pipeline. That's probably just going to be put on hold. I mean, we have the the 8 million square feet that's already under construction, which will 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 be going through, obviously. Mm-hmm. So. I can just see, and you, you, you can, you probably agree with me that the, the whole landscape is going to be changing down, down, downtown. Not necessarily with the way the buildings look, but the way the buildings are going to be used. Like you said, things are pretty well frozen right now. the The landlords aren't feeling any of the crunch right now because most of these are on uh, are being leased already, and then it's the the users who have to sublease it if they're not going to be using that extra space. So what, what, what do you see happening? Like, how do you see this downtown, downtown core looking? 
Well, you got, so let's put vacancy rate in perspective. So, so downtown has been sitting at 2%. And, and like, and so vacancy rates, the way, the way we look at vacancy rates are anything from say high single digits to low double digits is, is call it a balanced market. So that seven to 11% vacancy rate is a balanced market. Downtown Toronto is sitting at 4% today, 2% last year. So it's still healthy. It's projected to go maybe a two or three times multiple to get up to that 10% marker at 8% marker, which still makes it a balanced market. So are landlords having a tough time? Not right now. They're not projected to have a tough time. There will be situations. And again, it's, it's, it's building by building. There may be a landlord that has one or two or three big blocks of space, and that's a problem unique to that landlord. It's not an industry-wide issue. Mm -hmm. Most landlords have their tenants secured for a 10-year term or a five-year term. Um, and, and yeah, and, and so I, I don't see this being an industry-wide issue. I don't think landlords are going to I don't think there's going to be blood in the streets or there's going to be massive sell-offs. I, I just don't see it. I don't think anyone in our industry see it. I mean, our, our stats, our analytics people for GTA wide, we're projecting Toronto to get to which Toronto GTA wide, we're sitting at say at a 7% vacancy rate. We're projected to get to a 12% vacancy rate, mm -hmm. maybe a 13 and I mean, that's supposed to peak out at the end of 2021, first quarter of 2022, and then come down from there. We're supposed to, I mean, our analytics are telling us that we should be at pre, we should be at pre-pandemic um, levels by 2024. So when we take a look at these towers downtown, I think a lot of people would say, wow, so we've got TD Bank, Bank of Montreal, all the other major banks and so on. But these major banks are just tenants, aren't they? Yeah. So who are some of the big players downtown? Oh, your Brookfields, your Cadillacs, your your Cadillac Fairview, Oxford, um, Dream. Take a look at your REIT index and you'll see just about all your big owners. Yeah. So those are the big owners. So I just wanted to, to make that clear to people because a lot of us would assume that, wow, you see the TD tower that it's owned by TD, or you see, you know, the, the first Canadian place is owned by the bank of Montreal. Mm -hmm. No, that's not the case. They are, they are tenants. Companies like the major banks will be able to withstand this, even if they have to sublease or leave their, their, their space empty until the end of their leases. But as you know, in downtown Toronto, we have the path system. And that's the underground system that connects all of the buildings. It goes from Union Station all the way up to, you know, past Queen Street to City Hall. You can walk through there. You can you can go from building to building, tower to tower. And a lot of those tenants down in the path system are retail outlets and food courts and things like that. How do you see them surviving through this? <laughs> I mean, retail retail's a tough game. Office is a tough game, but retail, yeah, I, the government has done a ton of work, and I have to give them credit for putting programs in place to help support these businesses. Now, is it enough? I don't know. I, I, I'm not the expert on this. They did have a rent subsidy for, for all of April, May, and June, July, and August. 
that supported 75% of their rental payments. They now have, I think, programs that that help pay the rent up until 65 up to 65% of their obligation. I don't know how long that's expected to run for, but but that's just the real estate side. I don't know how they generate revenue. That's 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 a whole other equation that I'm not an expert in. But I mean, if you want to talk about real estate, uh, commercial real estate on a more holistic level, retail is the difficult one right now that everyone is grappling with. Everyone from owners to tenants, especially forget about the path. We're talking about even the street front or the neighborhood shops. They are the ones that are having difficulty. Um, and it's my hope that that the landlords can work with the tenants because something is always better than nothing. And it would just be a shame to lose a lot of these guys. Um, the other sector that you're probably going to ask about next is, is the industrial real estate. So the way we break commercial real estate down is, is retail, industrial, office, and, and land. The industrial side is just absolutely gangbusters. That's probably busier now and, and more expensive than it was pre-pandemic levels. Yeah, and why is that? Well, there's just a whole initiative. There's this whole trend towards deglobalization. Industrial going into the pandemic was at, I mean, industrial real estate was vacancy rates sat at around 3%. And that's that's GTA wide. Office, there's a, t- there's a substantial difference between in downtown and suburban, but industrial, it's just been sub 3%, just about every geography in the GTA you're looking at. And that's always been tight. Um, there's been more there's been more redevelopment there's been more warehousing there's been more manufacturing it's 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 just busier on all fronts i'm at the corner of bay and front in downtown toronto before the covid pandemic hit there would be a wall of people crossing this intersection people getting off the go train or from the ttc on their way to the large towers but today on a tuesday I think there are maybe a dozen people crossing the same intersection. So me being a, a residential real estate agent, we have a lot of people who wanted to live close to where they work. And those who didn't live close to where they work go into communities that they can afford and they would commute in. So for instance, they take the GO train in. Go train ridership is down by 93% compared to this time last year. I guess what I'm trying to get at here is, as we see less and less of the need to actually go into the office, how do you see this affecting the the residential real estate market? Early on in when this pandemic hit, there was a lot of talk about a hub and spoke model where you would have your head office location downtown, but create little satellite offices throughout the suburbs, one in Mississauga, one in Markham, one in Scarborough, um, and have areas for, for, for your staff to touch down in and, and work within. Now that hasn't gained much traction. Yeah. Um, there are some companies that are, that are looking at that model, but uh, that hasn't gained much traction. I mean, how does it affect residential real estate per se? I think people are going to start looking when they look for houses, they're going to be looking for a den or an office. I think they're going to need more square footage to operate out of considering they'll be working out of their Monday to Friday, nine to five, potentially. If they are one of those families that 
that are just as productive working from home as they are from from the office. So what if we're we're going to be seeing an environment where we really don't get back to normal where a lot of people say, look at, you know what, I'm not going to be working from home. A lot of, I'm sorry, I'm going to be working from home. I'm not going to be working from the office. The large employers say, yes, let's keep doing this. Do you see any of the uses of these big buildings changing to more residential? You know, in the past, we've seen a lot of the conversions of, of industrial uh, manufacturing plants that were turned into lofts you know, turned into condos downtown. But do you see something like that happening in the big towers at all? I mean, we've seen that in the suburbs. We've seen buildings that, office buildings that have been older, um, more dysfunctional, not, they don't, they don't, they can't compete with the newer office buildings. Uh, We've seen them torn down or we've seen them reconfigured into residential. Um, There's been a few of those examples. But the difficulty there is with the city, um, the city is going to mandate that you replace the office component. So you might be able to, there, there's a few projects going on downtown where they're demolishing the office building, whether it's a 100, 200,000, 300,000 square foot office building, and they're building on top of it. So they're going to replace the office and build on top of it to create additional density. Um, but but to, I, I don't think the city would allow you to tear down an office building or repurpose it. I mean, that's a lot of employment land or employment um, employment land that they that that would come off the books. Yeah, would wouldn't it be neat to have a, a penthouse unit in, let's say, the uh, first Canadian place <laughs> on the top there? Because <laughs> people are always talking about our shortage of housing in the city. They're always talking about that, and I you know I know people about have been just, you know, saying some things to the effect of, ah, you know, now that people aren't coming into the office, then we're going to start making that into to residential instead. But uh, we, we really don't see that happening in the long run down there, do we? No, you really don't. I mean, you remember when you got your first job right out of school, like how exciting was that to go into the office and, and absorb that corporate culture? How do you onboard a new employee without having them come in and meet the team face to face and 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 understand what the company is really about. It's more than just Zoom meetings and 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 trying to book time um, with colleagues. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. My my brother in law uh, during this pandemic was just hired by Telus, mm-hmm. and he's been working from home. He lives in Ottawa, and he's been working from home. He likes to be around people, and I'm sure there are a lot of people that are like him out there. They want to be around their colleagues. You can brainstorm a lot better. You know, it's good to be able to walk into each other's, you know, workspace or office and just run things by them. So the work at home concept is great, but that human contact is really, really missing right there, right now. And when you were talking earlier about some of the solutions that Cushman Wakefield were coming up with um, for the future of, 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 of office spaces and so on, where do you basically see it going now, you know, with all of these adjustments that have to be made? Is there anything that's, that's, that stands out to you that's going to be a major change when we do start getting back to that office space? Uh, like I said, that that's, again, that's the million-dollar question. I mean, if I had that, this office market would be a lot more fluid than it is right now. 
Uh, people just don't know. We, we don't know what's going to be concrete, what's going to be a true difference maker. What are these, some of these trends that we're using now? Are they going to remain permanent trends? Um, our, our anal, like I said, our group here at Cushman and Wakefield is studying that daily. We're trying to figure out, and it's not a, it's not a one size fits all. Um, the tenants are going to, the way tenants negotiate for space is going to be different. The way landlords attract tenants to their office buildings is going to be different. I mean, right now we're seeing landlords put together programs to, and strategies to, to compete and to give tenants what they want. We're seeing landlords fully furnish office space, which is which hasn't really been done unless you're looking at a co-working space like a WeWork or or or, or one of the or one of the co-working uh, facilitators. But we're seeing head landlords who don't get into this space fully furnish office space, and they're saying, if you want it for a one-year term, go ahead. You want it for a ten-year term, go ahead. It's fully finished. You can move in tomorrow. So we are seeing landlords be a little more progressive in how they market space to the tenants. The tenants' needs are always changing. Rental rates have not dropped. We, like I said, vacancy rates are still low. Tenants are still paying. There's not, and the sublet and the vacancy that has increased is sublet, which does not impact the landlord. Now, a landlord that has 50,000 square feet of vacant direct space and a tenant that has 50,000 square feet of sublet space well, we now have a competition for space. So what are landlords doing to compete in the event that there is that competition? They are, they're not necessary. Well, at least we haven't seen evidence of it yet. We haven't seen a drop in rental rates. We have seen in some cases, some increases in inducements. We have seen some more free rent, a longer fixturing period. We've seen furniture thrown into a deal. So we've seen some change but but it hasn't been what what you would necessarily expect it to be okay so we have uh, microsoft mm -hmm. they are going to be also occupying cibc's sorry cibc square yeah um and i'm just wondering what are some of the other large corporations international corporations that are still looking at toronto um everybody's looking at toronto toronto is is a tremendous high-tech hub um and the other reason, sorry, and let me, the other, what we were talking about downtown in, in this whole hub and smoke and spoke and how people are reusing their residential real estate is that tenants, or sorry, users or employers will continually follow the talent. There is a war for talent in the tech sector, in the financial sector, and the talent is located downtown. So we're not going to see companies go out into the suburbs. And what companies are looking at Toronto specifically, uh, I, I couldn't give you, I mean, there's a few that we know that are in the marketplace that are looking to relocate to Toronto. But Toronto is, without a doubt, top five in North America with respect to opportunities that in, in which we have a greater service offering and, 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 uh, and labor base than most other major countries. Uh, cities in North America. So you'd say I, that that along with the 100,000 newcomers that we're getting to the city each year contributes to the demand that we actually have in our residential real estate market, correct? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, the popular, contrary to popular belief, the downtown will not be dying out. The downtown will be healthy and vibrant again. So there's not going to be this big fleet to the suburbs is what we saw Years and years through the, all those big American cities, right? 
no, I don't see that happening. And not even with COVID, eh, Ken? No, not even COVID can scare us out of the downtown. We'll just have to wait and see. Like you said, everything is fluid right now and things are on hold. So as far as our future goes down there, we could basically see a lot of growth over the next uh, number of years once everything settles down, once the vaccine comes into place and once we get back to what we want to call normal again, right? Yep. Uh, I mean, like I said earlier, 2024 is when we're expected to be back at pre-pandemic levels. So that's not that far away. It isn't. That's for sure. Ken, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate your input and your expertise. Not a problem, Des. It was a pleasure. Okay. Thanks very much. So that's our latest episode of Sold in the Six. A quick thank you to my producers, podcast that pop. If you want to get in touch with me, please email me at des at desmondbrown.ca or check out my website, inthesixrealestate.com. And that's six, spelled the cool way, the number six, I-X. So whether you're buying or selling or simply want to just know what's out there or even have a chat, feel free to get in touch with me. Until next time, I'm Desmond Brown.